John chapter 15. By way of introduction, I'd like to give you a statement uh, that one of the pastors at my college gave me, and it has stuck with me all these years, affected me profoundly as a college student, and still does to this day. He said, and I quote, Your soul winning is in direct proportion to your prayer life. Your soul winning is in direct proportion to your prayer life. What did he mean by that? Well, what he meant was, if we're praying as we ought, we're going to be fruitful in the area of soul winning. But if we're not praying as we ought, we're not going to be fruitful. And this was said to me by a man that did walk with God, that did pray, that had a passion for souls. Uh, one of the most uh, effective preachers that I've ever experienced preaching the gospel, preaching for the salvation of souls. What this man said, he lived. Your soul winning is in direct proportion to your prayer life. Now, this wasn't this man's opinion or just a clever quote that he came up with. Uh, this comes to us right from the Word of God, uh, from the Lord Jesus, as we're going to see tonight. But before we look into God's Word, let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for this privilege to open your word and to hear from the Lord Jesus. We pray that in these next few moments, your Holy Spirit would give us understanding. I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide my tongue to say exactly what you once said. And I ask that you would encourage the hearts of your people. Father, we want to pray. We, we want to learn to pray. And so we ask you to teach us and speak to each one of our hearts this evening. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message is simply Prayer and Soul Winning. Prayer and Soul Winning. And if you're taking notes, number one, we'll look at exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises that are given to us in this area of prayer in direct relation to soul winning. Would you look with me at verse 7? of our text here in John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus tells us, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Then look with me at chapter 16. Verse 23, so the Lord Jesus promises if we abide in him and his words abide in us, and we've taken quite a bit of time to look at this matter of abiding in Christ and letting his word abide in us. If we will do that, we're going to get our prayers answered. We'll ask what we will and it shall be done unto us. What a promise. Then look with me in John 16, verse 23. The Lord Jesus is speaking of what it will be like when he's gone, when he's ascended to heaven. And he says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. You see, when the Lord Jesus was walking on this earth, the, the disciples' sense of their need for prayer wasn't all that acute because they had the Son of God walking in their midst when there was a storm on the sea. They didn't pray to the Father. They woke up the Lord Jesus in the boat and said, carest thou not that we perish? While the Lord Jesus was on earth, they didn't really sense the need to pray. 
But when he ascended to heaven, they would begin praying like never before. Notice what he says in verse 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Why does God want to teach us to pray? Because he wants his people to be joyful. And if you're not experiencing the abundant joy of the Lord, this could be the problem. God wants us to pray so that our joy may be full. Verse 25, these things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. Notice this. He's saying, I'm not saying that you're going to have to ask me, and then I'm going to ask the Father. No, no, no. Notice, verse 27. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. What is the Lord Jesus saying? He's saying, when I ascend to heaven, because of my finished work on the cross and now my intercessory work at the Father's throne, and now because of the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells inside you, you get to now go directly to the Father. And you get to pray like you had never imagined you could pray before. Why? Because my Father loves you. And then we, we keep reading John 17. It gets even better. John 17, verse 20. The Lord Jesus is, is praying for the disciples, but then notice in verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's every single one of us here tonight that has believed on Christ. We believed on him because of the apostles' words. In John, we're reading uh, what the Lord used him to write. So the Lord Jesus, while he was on earth, he prayed for you and he prayed for me. And, and notice what he asked the Father for. Verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, notice this, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Christian, we're, we're moving fast uh, through this outline tonight, but could I encourage you to take some time this week or, or whenever you find time and dig into these passages. These are exceeding great and precious promises. What is the Lord Jesus telling us? He's saying, because of all that I've done on your behalf and because of these promises, you can enjoy the same exact type of prayer life that I have enjoyed with the Father. Now, Christians, stop and think about that for a moment. Do you think that the Lord Jesus got his prayers answered? Yes or no? Yes, I think so. Do you think the Lord Jesus enjoyed his time in prayer with his Father? Yes or no? Yes. Do you think that uh, it was like pulling teeth to get the Lord Jesus to pray? Yes or no? No. Prayer, I believe, in the life of Jesus was, was his favorite thing to do. Obviously, he, he loved to love the disciples. It'd probably be hard to categorize it. But the Lord Jesus loved to spend time with his Father. And because of these exceeding great and precious promises, there's not one person in this room who's believed on Christ that cannot enjoy the same type of prayer life that the Lord Jesus enjoyed. 
Now, it, it doesn't get any better than that. God has invited us uh, to be partakers of the divine nature. That's what we mentioned this morning and where we get this phrase, exceeding great and precious promises. And if Christian, if that doesn't stir our hearts, if that doesn't move us to want to pray and claim these promises, then we need to beg God to do something in our hearts because it doesn't get any better than that. That's what God has for us. He's given us these promises so that we can enjoy the same type of prayer life as the Lord Jesus. But number two tonight, so there are these exceeding great and precious promises. But then number two, when we're dealing with prayer and soul winning, there is an expected product. There is an expected product. We're about to look at some verses. And what they're going to show us is not only have we been given promises that allow us and give us the ability to enjoy a prayer life like the Lord Jesus, but we should pray like the Lord Jesus. This is the expectation of all that God has given us. He's brought us into his family. He's given us his word. He's put us in the church. There is an expected product from our lives that is supposed to come out of these promises. Look with me at John 14, verses 12 through 14. Lord Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Now that's general and it's all-encompassing. That's speaking of any and every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Now if it stopped right there, that would be another exceeding great and precious promise and a big expectation that we are to do the same works as the Lord Jesus himself. But it goes on and says, And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in case you missed it, he repeats it again in verse 14, If he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, how many Christians actually live with that kind of expectation. How many of us actually look at ourselves and say, the Lord Jesus said that he that believeth on him would do the same works as him, so I guess I should be busy living like the Lord Jesus. I guess I should be busy enjoying the same type of prayer. Like, How many Christians actually think like that? How many of us actually believe what the Lord Jesus is saying? So many of us, and I would include myself in this, we allow the the devil's lies, we allow discouragement, we allow failures in our past to make us miss the simplicity of what the Lord Jesus is saying and insert a lot of qualifiers in these statements. These are very clear promises and expectations that we not only can pray like the Lord Jesus and enjoy the fruitful abundance of of a life like that, but we should pray like the Lord Jesus. And this isn't just for the super spiritual. How many of us think of these promises as being relegated to great missionaries in days gone by, or to great pastors, or to that one guy in the church that just is really passionate about soul winning? This promise, these expectations are for every believer. So they're exceeding great and precious promises, and there is an expected product. We not only can pray like the Lord Jesus, but we should pray like him. Okay, well then how did the Lord Jesus pray? And that leads us to our 
third point, when we're looking at prayer and soul winning, we need to consider exemplified prayer. Exemplified prayer. You can read through the Gospels and you will find the Lord Jesus praying in every single one. But Luke, more than any other, emphasizes the prayer life of the Lord Jesus. I encourage you, it'd be a great study to just go through and look at the prayer life of the Lord Jesus as highlighted in Luke. But let me just give you very quickly 11 things that happen in direct response to the Lord Jesus' prayer. Just to give you a taste of what God could do in your life and in my life if we would just claim these promises and pray like the Lord Jesus. 11 things that happen uh, because the Lord Jesus prayed that we find just in Luke. So this isn't dealing with the other Gospels and things that God did in those. This is just in Luke. In Luke 3.21, at his baptism, the heaven was opened. You know that's what God wants to do for us in prayer? He wants to open heaven to us so we can enjoy this fellowship with the Father. That's what happened in response to the Lord Jesus' prayer. The heaven opened, the Holy Spirit descended. And you know that's what our church needs? We need the Holy Spirit to descend send upon us in power like we've never experienced before. And it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen just by us wishing for it. It's going to happen by following the example of the Lord Jesus, who prayed the heaven was open and the Spirit descended. What else happened in response to the Lord Jesus' prayer? Well, in Luke 5, verses 16 and 17, we read of the Lord Jesus praying. And then a couple of verses later, we read that the power of the Lord was present to heal. Now, the Lord Jesus was setting an example for us. And so in response to his prayers, God the Father empowered him to do the miracles that he did. Number three, in Luke 6, verses 12 through 13, the Lord Jesus spends all night in prayer to God. All night. And what does he do the next morning when he gets up? He chooses the 12 disciples. Now, here, here's a little tidbit for us to incorporate into our lives. Before you make any significant decision in life, you'd better, better bathe it in a lot of prayer. If the Lord Jesus, the Son of God who knows everything, spent an entire night in prayer before choosing the 12 disciples, how much more do we, with our limited knowledge, our limited understanding, how much more do we need to spend much time in prayer before making big decisions? Young people, when you're thinking about college, when you're thinking about someone to marry, spend a lot of time in prayer over those matters. The Lord Jesus sets that example for us. Number four, in Luke 9, verses 16 and 17, the multitudes were fed because the Lord Jesus prayed. And that miracle was performed on behalf of his prayer to the Father. In Luke 9, verses 18 through 20, we read of the Lord Jesus praying for his praying. And then we read of Peter making his great confession of Christ, where he says, thou art the Christ. And then if you compare that with Matthew 16, 17, what did the Lord say to Peter? He said, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father. You know what that tells me? That the Lord Jesus was praying that the Father would open his disciples' eyes to who he was. And that's exactly what his Father did in response to his prayer. There's someone in your life, maybe it's a child, maybe it's another person in church, 
someone that you're burdened about spiritually. You just feel like their eyes are not open to God's will. They're at church, but you don't feel like anything's getting through. Why don't we follow the example of the Lord Jesus and pray that God would open their eyes? What else happened? Number six, the transfiguration in Luke 9, verses 28 through 29. The Lord Jesus' countenance was altered and the disciples beheld his glory. You want to behold the glory of the Lord? Do you want to see him in his glory? Then spend time in prayer. You want others in your life to be affected by the glory of the Lord? Then pray. That's what the Lord Jesus did. Number seven, in Luke 11, 1, which we're familiar with, we've been looking at that recently, the disciples were desiring for the Lord Jesus to teach them to pray. Why? Because the Lord Jesus talked a lot about prayer. Well, I'm sure he did at times, but more because of his example. He was praying, and no doubt he was asking the Father to put in the disciples' heart a desire to learn how to pray, and he did. Number eight, Luke 22, verse 42. Because the Lord Jesus was willing to pray, not my will, but thine be done, he went to the cross and he bore our sins. Do you realize that had the Lord Jesus not been committed to prayer, the the cross wouldn't have happened? But his commitment to prayer in Gethsemane, the, the agony in the garden where he prayed, not will, not my will, but thine be done. After that time in prayer, he went to the cross. So you and I are saved this evening because the Lord Jesus was committed to prayer. Number nine, in Luke 23, verse 34, and then verses 43 through 44, sinners were forgiven at the cross because the Lord Jesus prayed. And you and I may not have been there physically, but it was our sins that nailed the Lord Jesus to the cross. And so as he was praying for those people crucifying him, he was praying for us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we have been forgiven because of the prayers of the Lord Jesus. Before the Lord Jesus ascended, or as he was ascending, he he blessed, he prayed for the disciples in Luke 24, verses 50 through 53. And the result was that the disciples were worshiping, rejoicing, praising, and blessing their father. And they they went back to Jerusalem rejoicing because their Savior prayed for them. And then number 11, Peter became a mighty apostle because of the Lord Jesus' prayers. In Luke 23, 32, the Lord Jesus said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now this is just a sampling But every great event in the Lord Jesus' life, the fruitfulness of it, how how it has affected us all in relation to prayer. So we see exemplified prayer. But number four, if you'll turn with me to Luke 11, and then number four, we see expert pedagogy or pedagogy, however you like to pronounce it. But that simply means the method and practice of teaching. In this area of prayer, there are a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of things that we struggle with. We need to be taught. And notice in Luke 11, which we've been looking at this passage recently, which is a lot we can learn just from this one verse. Luke 11, verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. 
You know, it's a blessing that our Lord not only set an example for us in prayer, but he's willing to teach us. He's willing to teach us personally. And every single one of us can pray this same prayer. But, but what are some things that we can learn to get us started in, in this area of prayer, especially as it regards soul winning? Well, number one, we see in this verse the importance of time. Number one, time. I love how this verse begins. It says, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. It didn't take long being around the Lord Jesus before it came to pass that you found him praying. Now in our lives, how long does it take? What has to come to pass before someone would find us praying? With the Lord Jesus, this was regular. I believe he had a set time. I believe he was constantly uh, getting alone with the Father in prayer. And if you and I are going to pray like the Lord Jesus, we're going to have to set aside time for it. And trust me, Christian, the devil will fight you in this area perhaps more than any other area of your life. I, I've heard it quoted something like this. The devil laughs at our efforts. He mocks our schemes, but he trembles when we pray. All of our planning, all of our busy work, he laughs. But when a Christian gets on his knees to pray and gets the power of Almighty God on his side, the devil knows that he's lost. And so trust me, this is an area the devil is going to fight you tooth and nail. And he is going to give you every excuse why you cannot give regular time every morning to prayer. He's going to do it, guaranteed. And you and I are going to have to come to the place in our lives where we choose it's going to come to pass in my life at a certain time that I'm going to pray. And it needs to become a habit. It was so with the Lord Jesus. Then there's the importance of a place. It says, as he was praying in a certain place. Lord Jesus had favorite places to pray. We're told that he went up into a mountain to pray. Uh, he prayed um, in Gethsemane. The Lord had places that he liked to go to pray. And he teaches us in Matthew 7, when ye pray, enter into thy closet. Now, you may not have a closet at your home that you can use, but we should all have a place that we can regularly go to for prayer. I think the devil gets us in this area too because uh, he, he prevents us from finding a quiet place. You're not going to do serious business with the Lord in a public setting with people all around. How can you pour out your heart to the Lord with an audience? We've got to have a certain place where we can go to pray. Then number three, there needs to be purpose. Every time we pray, there needs to be purpose. Now, how do we see that in this verse? Well, it says, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased. What does this tell us about the Lord Jesus? Not only did he have a certain time, and not only did he have a certain place, but there was an allotment of time that he had planned to pray, and prayer for him was a means to an end. The Lord Jesus was incredibly busy, okay? We don't find the Lord Jesus off in the hills by himself praying constantly and making his disciples do all the work, okay? The Lord Jesus had prayer in his proper place, and it had a purpose. It wasn't just to spend time in prayer. It was this, this vague thing. He had business to do with God, and then when he was done asking his father for what he needed, 
he got up to go minister to the disciples. There was a purpose to it. And you don't be discouraged, Christian. Uh, our, our prayer life, it doesn't require you to spend two hours every morning on your face in prayer before God or, or an hour every morning. That, that may not work for, for every Christian, but there needs to be a specific time, a, a specific place where we go to God with purpose. There are some things I need from you and, and I've got to get them. And then we get up, go our way and serve. That's the example we see of the Lord Jesus. And then finally, number five, we're dealing with prayer and soul winning. We find in this verse an exemplary pupil. An exemplary pupil. Notice it says, When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, often in the Gospels, it says the disciples as a group would go to Jesus and maybe they'd have a representative and then he would ask on behalf of the group. But here it is very clear. It says, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And can I encourage you, don't let the devil deceive you into underestimating what God could do through your prayers, your individual prayers. The devil loves to say things like, oh, you're not, you don't matter that much. You're not that significant. You couldn't do anything great for God in prayer. That's for other people. Never underestimate what God could do with you as an individual. Because this one man got serious about prayer and went to the Lord Jesus asking him, we're sitting here this evening receiving this teaching from the Lord Jesus because that one man asked. And all the disciples were benefited because of his commitment to learning how to pray. Now, if we're going to become a church that God uses mightily, it's going to take all of us. That's why this man said, Lord, teach us to pray. But it started with an individual. And I wonder who it is tonight that God is working in your heart and saying, I want you to become an intercessor. I want you to get serious about this area of prayer. I want to do greater works through you. There's no telling what God could do through an individual like this who got serious about learning to pray. What else do we learn from this pupil? How did he address the Lord? He said, Lord, if you're going to enroll in the Lord Jesus school of prayer, if you and I are going to become effective intercessors, then Christ is going to have to be Lord of our life. And this man acknowledged that Jesus was his Lord, and then he was able to learn how to pray. If we haven't surrendered our will to God, our daily schedule, the whole of our life, uh, then you can just forget about learning how to pray. There's got to be the surrender to the will of Christ as Lord. And then, notice it says, teach us to pray. Not just how to pray, but to pray. Teach us, Lord, to make this a lifestyle, to make this the, the defining trait of our lives that we are people of prayer. Christian, can I encourage you? We've been given some exceeding great and precious promises. We can pray like the Lord Jesus. And there is an expected product. Not only can we pray like the Lord Jesus, but we should. We ought to. Every single one of us. And if you're believing the devil's lie that, that prayer just isn't a, 
isn't your area of service to the church, you're believing a lie. Because God has called every believer, us, to pray. And then we saw the exemplified prayer of the Lord Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Luke. If you want to learn about prayer, just follow his example. And we saw his teaching to us here in Luke 11. He sets an example. There's a place you can begin with a regular time each day, a regular place, and a purpose. And then we've got to decide, I want to learn how to pray. Let me leave you with this. If you had a, if you had a young person, went to high school, did very well in high school, so much so that all, all the surrounding universities, the best universities in Canada, even some in the US, were offering this young man scholarships, full ride scholarships for the program of his dreams. Okay, so he's got the full ride scholarship, he's got the approval of his parents, let's assume he's prayed about it and it's God's will, and he enrolls in college, okay? It doesn't matter that he's got the scholarship, that he's enrolled, that his parents are, have approved him. If he doesn't show up to class and put in the work, he's not going to get that degree. And Christian, we have been given everything we need to be fruitful in this area of prayer. Everything. God couldn't give us any better promises. You can't get any better than, hey, you've got direct access to God the Father. He loves you like he loves me, the Lord Jesus said, and you can be just as fruitful, in fact, even more fruitful than I. We couldn't be given anything else. So what are we waiting on? We've got to get up each morning and enroll in this school of prayer, and it takes work. It takes effort. And just like in school, there are some assignments that we don't do very well on, that we struggle with. There are going to be times we struggle in prayer, but we don't give up. We keep going like Joshua. He failed in the area of prayer, but he just kept going and he became one of the mightiest prayer warriors in all the Bible. God has given us everything we need to pray like the Lord Jesus. And I wonder which one in this room will take the initiative to get serious about this and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Don't underestimate what God could do with you if you got serious about prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for these exceeding great and precious promises you've given us. We thank you that we can be fruitful in prayer. We can be fruitful in soul winning. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't limit you by our unbelief. I pray that we would claim these promises and follow the example and teaching of the Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would put a burning desire in the hearts of your people to do something about what they've heard tonight. Father, I pray that we would have a set time each day and a place that we go to and that we would regularly do business with you and get serious about this matter of prayer. Father, only you can teach us to pray. Only you can put this desire in our hearts, but we know you have put this desire in us by your Spirit and that we have everything we need to succeed in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd work in this invitation however you're calling us to respond. I pray that we will. In Jesus' name, amen.